Welcome to the West Point Sermon Podcast. This is your place for audio for past and future messages. Video versions of this podcast are available at the link in the podcast description. Be sure to subscribe so you get updates when new sermons are posted. Thanks so much for listening. Well, I'm excited about today. I get to be with you. For those that don't know me, I'm, uh, I'm Pastor Jake or Jake or, or something of the sorts. I'm even daddy uh, and uncle and, and not grandpa. Hallelujah. Um, couldn't do that. My kid's five. One day. But I just want to say welcome. And, and my wife and I, Kirsten, we oversee the kids' ministry. That's uh, birth to sixth grade on Sundays, birth to fifth grade on Wednesday nights. And we get to do that. We get to serve you. And we've been here, it'll be a year next month in November. We're already in October. Hallelujah. Wow. October. But it'll be a year next November. And uh, I'm excited about this last year, but I'm really excited what, I'm, what we're seeing going forward. And so we serve as your kids' ministry or family ministry pastors here at West Point. And I get to tell you a story. Now, this is a story that I, I don't share often. In fact, I don't know if I've ever shared from a large group like this. But I grew up in a home that that was about the 50% of Americans grew up in. I lived the American dream. See, I had two of everything. I had double birthdays. I got to spend multiple holidays. I got to have two TVs and three beds. How does that work? I don't know. But I did. I had three beds. But I got to share in what the 50% of Americans had at that time because I shared in a divorced home. My, my family divorced when I was two years old. My parents did. And so they had to work doubly hard to make it work for themselves. My mom, bless her, um, she's gone now, but uh, she, she worked as a, as a businesswoman downtown Minneapolis. She was excited about the things that she got to do. She traveled for work. She um, was very career-oriented, was an amazing woman. Could, could do, I mean, her de- determination is where I, I have it from her. And my father, uh, a mechanic his whole life, and I, I, his technical ability and his ability to look at something and figure it out, I got that from him. And they both worked hard. Because you've got to work twice as hard when you're separated to give me twice as much in the physical. But yet, because they worked twice as hard, I understand why I don't believe I ever heard him say, I wonder... I wonder how I can lead my child. I wonder who I can get to mentor my son. I wonder how I can mentor him in his spiritual growth. I wonder how I can mentor him in his ability to, to become something more than I have dreamed for him. I don't remember them ever asking that question. As a father... I get to ask that question. When I had my first son, Jacob, it was a unique experience because uh, we, we thought about having a kid and we had a baby. Um, 
some families, and we, we experience this afterwards, some families don't get that opportunity. They don't just think about a kid and have one. Um, we, we did, and, and it was a unique experience, and, and it, was a, it was a blessing, and the, this child comes out, and you just go, wow, I'm a dad, right? And you go, I mean, not everybody's called to be a dad, and that's okay. I mean, and, and I'm not saying you have to be if you, if you don't want one, that's okay. But I, when, I, when I held this baby, my life changed. And, and I started getting to think about in the years coming, and when I, when I pray to him, I get to pray these things like, how can I put people in front of you to lead you and to guide you, and, and not just to be your dad, but to be your mentor and be your spiritual coach and someone with you and behind you. And so I've gotten to surround Jacob with some amazing people that he gets to look up to and love on and, and that love on him. And so I, I've got to have this opportunity that maybe I didn't get from day one. See, there's a study uh, at the Center of Developing Child at Harvard. Harvard's a school out east. I don't know if you've heard of it. Maybe. One or two. Anyways, they, they found the following five statements to be supported from their study on early childhood. First one, getting things right the first time is easier, more effective than trying to fix them later. That's hard. Truth. Number two, early childhood matters because experiences early in life can have a lasting impact later learning, learning behavior, and health. I... Uh, I can contest to that. My, my early childhood into uh, late adolescence was littered with brokenness. And not, not just because of what was happening at home, but what happened at home at a young age carried. Number three, highly specialized interventions are needed as early as possible for children experiencing toxic stress. Toxic stress is, is high levels of stress that, that happen, and usually if you put too many together, it compounds and creates a, a, a lasting impact. Number four, early life experiences actually get under the skin and into the body with lifelong effects on adult physical and mental health. We have a rise on mental health issues right now. Did you know that? A rise, it's huge, uh, as, long, as well as things like the epidemic of opiate use and abuse, but this mental health is there, and it didn't just happen. It was formulated. It started when these people were quite young. And number five, all of society benefits from investments in, in, in early childhood programs. And so to help, uh, to help steer the outcomes in the right direction for our early childhood, we need to invest in early childhood programs. We need that. I believe it. I've seen it. So as we look at this list, it looks kind of daunting and kind of heavy, right? And, and maybe even a little convicting. It, it's challenging, nonetheless. We can't pick apart all of it. We can't focus on all of it at once. But if we were just to focus on the one thing that I ask you to do, which is the spiritual side. That's kind of an important part of who we are. We need to understand the spirituality of ourselves and, and the growth of ourselves. We need that. We need to have a spiritual connection. 
And so if we were to look on just how can we help our spiritual side of a child, uh, David Boyd had, had uh, reference to four steps for uh, building, developing, and strong faith. And the first one is this, Christian faith deeply embedded in their family. We need to have this in our children. It doesn't say that we need to be perfect, by the way. I don't ask you to be perfect parents. I ask you to be engaged parents. I ask you to be Christ-centered parents. That's what I ask. But you do not need to be perfect parents. Two, at least three adult Christian mentors. Each child needs at least three adult Christian mentors. They need this for success. Three, involved in ministry by age 10. What's that look like? Serving, seeing other people, being selfless. Serving in ministry by age 10. And four, going to a church that is cool. How do you define cool? Building relationships, it's engaging, etc. Now, I'm not saying it has to have lights and smoke and fog machines and, you know, that's cool and all, but to each his own. That's not what cool is defined as in this study. Engaging, relationship building. They can have something that, something that they look back on and say, man, they, they changed my life. They, they looked at me. They got down on my level. They looked at me in the eyes and said, you're worth it. You're worthy. You're a child of God. You're loved. That's engaging. That's relationship building. Now, we can have the, the other stuff too, but that isn't what these children are defined as cool. Where do they get all these statistics? They ask teens that were once kids, what engaged you as a child? And these were the four things that they'd said. That's pretty challenging stuff. Well, I want to look at a specific period of Jesus' life to bring this into full, to bring this into understanding, to show how important this is. And we're going to look at a a, a series of verses, and and these verses start at the the end of the the birth story of Jesus. In the book of Luke, you you see, and and we read it usually around Christmas time, the birth story of Jesus. And you have these angels and these wise men, and and a baby Jesus comes out of Virgin Mary. And and we hear that story, and we know that story. But at the end of the story, there's one or two verses. We're going to look at the one, but there's two verses at the end of the story that we see Jesus. See, I don't know if you follow the life of Jesus, but um, one of the things I like and I also find weird about Jesus, is we only see him at three different stages of his life. We see him as a baby, and maybe four. You could see him at a divinity somewhere. We, we see him in Genesis hovering over the heavens and the earth, and, and we, it's the Spirit of God, and, and a lot of theologians believe that is Jesus at the beginning. And, and nonetheless, so we see him in his divinity, right? And we see that at the end in Revelation in his divinity. But we, when, his, when he's walking here on earth, we only see him at three different stages of his life. As a baby... Right? We need that. We, we need Christmas. Without Christmas, we don't have Christ. Right? And so Christmas comes. We, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But then there's like this little, little snippet we're going to look at where he's just a couple years older than being born. He, he's, uh, theologians usually say he's, uh, he, he's somewhere in this early childhood. He's not an infant, but he's somewhere in early childhood. And then we see him again as an adolescent. An adolescent is in current terms, is defined as anyone in this stage is about 10 years old, about 25. We spend most of our developing life in our adolescent stage. And what usually sets us off, off of adolescent stage is being out of the house. That's usually what 
Did you understand that? Kicked out of the house. That's usually when we start determining that we're no longer in adolescent stage. And so if you're 30, still living at home, you might still be an adolescent. The other, the, sorry. The other part that uh, we understand as adolescent change is a change in our cognitive development and our brain development. And that was going to try to interact with you on that. And I want to tell you more about the brain, but that will be for another day. But that's, that's how else we determine uh, our, our change from adolescent into adulthood. But nonetheless, we, we see baby Jesus. We see and, and still in early childhood. And then we see him as an adolescent. And then he disappears for well, I, theologians, they're about 20, 21 years. We see Jesus come back about age 30 to 33. And then that's when he's crucified for us. And so that's all we see. It's three different stages of him here on earth. And right here at, at verse uh, 40, we see this, chapter 2, verse 40. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And the child grew and became strong. Did you know your God, Jesus, didn't come out a full-grown man out of Mary? Hallelujah. Praise Jesus for all those women who have given birth. Thank goodness you did not have to give birth to full-grown man, baby Jesus. Right? He grew, not only in physical stature, but if we know anything about brain development, he had to grow in understanding. My God didn't come out with a fully capacitated, like fully developed brain. Boom. We know that didn't happen. We understand brain development more now than we ever have before. It didn't happen. He had to grow in wisdom and understanding. He had to grow in physical stature. He probably hit the gym once in a while. I don't know. Like he was a carpenter, man. That guy had to be pretty strong. Right? It, he had to grow. But we continue on. Although Jesus was God, he was also human. As a child, he developed. The next time we see Jesus come into the picture is in the very next set of verses. At this point, several years have passed, and we transition from an early childhood Jesus uh, to an early adolescent. And so here's, here's how we see him. If you read verses 41 to 45, that Mary and Joseph leave. They, they, were in the, they were in Jerusalem for a Passover, and they leave, and they go about a day's journey, and all of a sudden they look for Jesus. And they're going, Jesus, Jesus. Hey, man, where's Jesus? And people are like, oh, well, I don't have Jesus. Do you have Jesus? No, I don't have Jesus. They lost Jesus. They lost 12-year-old Jesus. And, and so they figure it out. All of a sudden, a day's journey away, they forget where Jesus was, and they figure out they left Jesus behind. And they have to go back for Jesus. Another day journey ride. So if you read this set of scriptures like I do, that's five days that they, because then they search for him for three days uh, in, in Jerusalem. And so they went five days without seeing Jesus. Man, home alone sure sounds biblical now. Five days without Jesus. That's a long time without your son. They probably would have been chalked up and, you know, thrown, you know, uh, brought to DHS or CPS and thrown away the key and locked up for losing their kid joke. Okay. Hallelujah. Well, verse 46 through 47 states this. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard them were amazed as, at his understanding and his answers. He's 12. He's not an adult. 
He's 12. He's got an adolescent brain. It's not fully developed yet. His frontal lobe has not developed yet. And yet, something there's, there's something different about this 12-year-old as other 12-year-olds. Why? Why is there something about this 12-year-old than any other, any other 12-year-old? Yeah, yeah, we get it that, that he's God too. I mean, I, I get that. And, and there's been prophecy told, and, and even uh, priests and different people have, whoa, this guy's God. Like, we know this. Uh, and I get that, that he's God. And, and did you know the same power that conquered the grave lives in you? So you can't just say he's different because he's God. Because the Spirit of Jesus lives in you. The Holy Spirit came down from heaven after Jesus ascended, if you read Acts 2, and the Spirit rests in us. And so you can't say, well, it's because he's God. Trump card, he's God. No, that's not why. I'm going to interject some thought that happened. And this is a what if, this is a Jakeism. I can't use my Bible to, to support it because we go from, from an early childhood to an adolescent Jesus without knowing the in-between. But what my understanding of what happened in the, in the in-between is that he sought and people sought him and he was put in front of other people to learn, to mature, to be mentored, to be grown in the ways of the Lord. He had to be told about his Bible and who his God was. Mary was told by an angel that she was going to raise the Son of God. She had to act like she was raising the Son of God, like she was raising someone important for this world, and she would impart wisdom on this child. Joseph, a father, would have to be a father to this son that he got to inherit almost. He got to be a part of the story. He didn't need to be God didn't need him, but God called him to be that, to be that father to that child, to his child, to God's child. And Joseph got to, and we hear about how Jesus was a carpenter. Well, who else was a carpenter? Joseph. So Joseph had to have taught him his ways, mature him and grow him, develop him and impart wisdom onto him. But not only that, but now he's here in the temple learning from those who understand the words of God and and love God and gave their lives for God. Here he is learning from them. Jesus. Being mentored. But not only that, at 12 years old, he's given an opportunity to invest in other people. He's given an opportunity to lead within this temple body, to, to be asked questions and to ask questions at 12 years old. Jesus, an adolescent. And all who heard them were amazed at his understanding of his answers. They were amazed at what was happening. I don't get why we'd be amazed. If we invested in these people, shouldn't we just assume that's what's going to happen? If we invest, don't we think that's going to come back? Like what we do and how we invest in these children, don't we just, man, I can promise you there's people in this room that have invested in children and saw the light bulb come on when the investment returned. It's the only set of verses we see him as an adolescent. Did you know that? It's the only set of verses right here. After this, it goes on and we continue to hear other stories. But this is the only set of verses we see him in the adolescent. And I'm going to ask you this question. Why? Why do we have this in the Bible? Why does it even make any sense? Because we could remove this and it would be fine. We really could. I mean, in, in all actuality, for the majority of people, they don't care about an adolescent Jesus. Most of them probably don't even care about the childhood of Jesus. But I'm biased. I, I think it's important because I focus on 
family and children. And so I'm going to ask God and Jesus one day, I'm going to ask him, why'd you put these verses in the Bible? But right now I'm going to go with my thought. My thought is this, and you can see it in in Jesus' ministry as he continues on. He has an importance in children. He loves children. He says, you let the children come to me. Don't hold them back. Right? Are we, I mean, I'm going to ask you this. Are we holding our children back from coming to Jesus? Are we not giving an avenue wide enough for them to come? Hmm. I don't know, man. But nonetheless, we why, why, why is this in here? My, my thought process is this. Children matter to God. And children need to be mentored, even Jesus. Even Jesus needed people to invest in him. Even Jesus needed people to pour into him spiritually. Even Jesus needed to be mentored by other people that weren't his mom and his dad. I'm biased. I, I think every one of us should be involved in kids. And kids, let me define, I think everyone should be involved in adolescence and younger. We should be all investing in these children, in these people who, who need to be developed and matured spiritually, physically, and, and, and mental health-wise, and health, and, and in all avenues, we need to invest in them. That's why I think these Bible verses are in there. To show us a snapshot of the importance of it because our Savior had it. And if we don't give it to our children, do we think we're higher than God? That our kids will just make it? They'll figure it out. They won't just figure it out. God will put other people in their place because you didn't say yes. But what if you did? What if you did say yes? See, I'm going to ask a question that my parents didn't ask. I'm going to ask you, who's going to mentor my son? I'm not asking you who's going to parent my son. Because the Lord has given me that, and I'm so thankful for that. And, and sometimes it's hard. Last night was a really hard time to parent my son. I'm getting ready for bed. I'm in the bathroom and I step in a puddle of water. Well, my bathroom is downstairs and I'm going, did Kirsten take a shower and like not mop up or something? I mean, there was just like water everywhere. And I look up and I go, no, no. There's a drip from the ceiling fan, the, you know, the exhaust fan. Oh boy, was I, hmm, you didn't want to be in my house. I walked upstairs to make sure, and the floor, cause, and then I recanted. Kirsten's saying, oh, why is there water all over by the light switch on the other side of the bathroom upstairs? Well, they were taking a bath, and water went everywhere. And I look, and there's water still everywhere. And I look back downstairs, and the ceiling is starting to... Sh- you know, sometimes it's hard to be the parent. Sometimes I'd rather just put them back. Lord, help me. But I, so I'm not asking to be the parent. I have that struggle and joy. But I am asking who's going to mentor him. See, the statistics say we need a, he needs at least three. 
I'm going to tell you, he's going to need way more than that. I did. But he needs at least three Christian mentors. Who's going to mentor him? And my son's not the only one. I have three sons. My, my youngest one's up here. But I'm asking right now about my five-year-old. Well, I got a two-year-old coming, and I, and I have a four-month-old coming, and I know I'm not the only one with a son or daughter in this room that needs a mentor. I'm not going to entrust my son just to anybody. He's mine. God didn't just entrust his son Jesus with anybody. See, I have the stewardship over let me rephrase that. He's not mine. I'm a steward of him. But I have the stewardship. I have, I have the ability. I, I have the task of answering for my son's growth and development at this stage. So who is going to mentor him? There's other kids in this church that need to be mentored too. I don't know if you know this, but our kids ministry right now uh, is on almost every Sunday for the last couple of weeks and the last month, we have 25% or more of the entire church in our kids' ministry every Sunday. 25% or more. Did you hear that? This should make you excited. Come on. 25% or more of, our, of the entire Sunday service is back there with our kids, is our kids. We are raising the next church right there. They are the church, not the next church. They're the church now. They're the reason for having a church. I'm biased. So let me share a story with you. I have a couple of pretty amazing leaders that have come on since we got here. And, uh, and one, I, I shouldn't say her name, but Abby, started with us on Wednesday night. And she loves working with our Awana kids, and she works with our with our uh, kindergarten through second grade. Kindergarten through second grade. Now, it's a pretty tough group. It's, it's almost as tough as the Cubbies, which is our birth to five, you know, pre-K. But she works with our kindergarten through second grade. And one Wednesday night, and I hope she still says this, I haven't asked. But one Wednesday night, she comes to me, and she's beaming from ear to ear after working with the kids, by the way. She's beaming from ear to ear, and she goes, I love this. It refreshes me. You know who's in her class? Is my son. Sunday morning right now, I get to be in front of you. Normally I'm in the kids' ministry, but right now I get to be in front of you because one other person, her name's Samantha. Samantha and, and Chris have been attending for a while now, and I'm going to pick on them a lot because they're not in here, and so you can tell them later I did. But they, they're not in here right now, but they've been coming for the last, I don't know, year and a half, two years, a little bit before we started coming. They've really been solid, and they answer the call of saying yes to our kids, and, and so they've been helping out on Wednesday nights, and they are phenomenal. But on Sunday mornings, um, they're back there right now leading our kids, and guess who just moved up? To the, early ch- or to the kids' church. My son. She's investing in my son. Chris is investing in my son. Here's the thing, though. And there's more people. There's more of you that are helping out in the kids' ministry, and I'm thankful for that. Those are just two small stories. Like, those are, those are just a snapshot of what's happening. We need more. See, next Sunday, we're going to two services. And here's my ask. 
Next Sunday, we're going to two services, which means we have double the ability for you to be involved in, in the kids' ministry. And dare I say, here's my second ask, is not only do I want, to, want you to get involved if you feel so tugged, is that we need to move away from once every six to eight weeks. Now, I'm not saying I can't, I can't take someone that only wants to serve once every six, eight weeks. I'm thankful for those. Those are my pinch hitters. Those are the ones that are coming in, and it's like, oh, praise Jesus. I know they're always going to be here once every six, eight weeks. Those, that's okay. I'm not picking on that. What I'm saying is that we need to get to a point where it's more consistent. Why? Because they need mentors. They need kids. These little kids need someone to look up to and say, this person I see here. I, see, I know I'm going to see them every other week at least, if not more, but I know I'm going to see these, these people. I, I, need, I need parents to be able to say, I can drop my kid off without them screaming their head off because they know who they're dropping their people off to. But when we have an entire group, and again, I'm not saying the one or two, the three that help us once every six, eight weeks. We need that. I'm thankful for that. But if we had an entire kids ministry, that's all it was, these kids would have no idea who you were. We can't do that. They need mentors. They need you to be involved. Not just on Sunday mornings, but on Wednesday nights. And not just in the kids' ministry. Our youth need you too. See, a lot of our youth don't come from faith-based backgrounds where, they, where they've been developed and spiritually grown. And, and so they need you. And so you say, Jake, I don't like kids. That's all right. I got a youth spot for you. I know, I know the pastor. He's pastors. They, they're amazing. And I, I, I could put a good name and good word in for you. And if that's not it, hey, guess what? I have marriages that need you. 50% end in divorce. It's in the church, too. We need you. We need the mentors. Who's going to mentor my son? See, I have adults in this room who have an adult children, who have adult children, who's asking the same question. We need you. So here's the thing. Here's what I'm going to end with. And right on time, hallelujah, praise Jesus, 11 and 14. Either with your connection card, if you're already on planning center, an email, text message if you have mine. Right now, I want you to pull a connection card or your phone or whatever. And I want you to text me, email me, email planning center, put it on your connection card, I'm in. And say where you want to serve. Early childhood, Awana Wednesday night, Sunday morning kids church, youth group, mentoring marriages. We need you.